The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching up on all things in Major League Soccer and Soccer Abroad with North Americans playing all over the place. So thank you again so much for tuning in. We're excited for another really awesome episode after a fun week of games. We had our first double game week with some midweek action yesterday as we're recording this on Thursday. We had some games on Wednesday, and I think a game is about to wrap up with DC United and Chicago playing. So it was a fun week, a busy week of MLS, and we're excited to talk about it. But before we get into our Major League Soccer action, it has been a fun week between school ending, people moving, and life just being fun so josh how's the past seven days been treating you so far it's been very very busy for me uh as you alluded to before uh for calling on me i'm in the process of uh in the process of moving this week uh so that's been taking up a lot of my time Ooh, chicago off the bar in the 92nd minute um yeah, so that's been really busy for me. I also had a job interview earlier this week. Um, my usual playing uh, pickup, playing some soccer a couple times. Now, Drew, I, I don't know if you've been affected by this, but we've also had some stupid people decide to panic buy gas this week, and uh, that almost threw a wrench in my plans. Um, my my dad texted me about it and was like, "Hey, you know, make sure you're good on gas. I think people are gonna." start buying a lot of it. I had a quarter of a tank at the time. This was on Tuesday. And I was like, ah, I'm fine. I like ran out and got lunch. And I was like, you know, I still have a quarter of a tank. And then yesterday, Wednesday, I had to, to run a couple errands to start getting the process moving. And I'm looking at the tank and it's starting to drop to in between quarter. I'm like at an eighth of a tank. And I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to soccer later. Like, everywhere I look now, all the gas stations are out. So on my way to pick up, past five or six gas stations, all of them had plastic bags over the handles. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, my light's probably going to come on on the way home. Like, please, gasoline gods, please fill up one of these stations, like, while I'm playing soccer. And sure enough, on my way home, one of the stations had gas, and I was able to fill up, so... Crisis averted for me, but I was extremely frustrated with all the people in my area panic buying gasoline, taking away the gas for the people like me who actually needed it. But other than that, busy Mother's Day was good as well for me. Hope you guys had a, a good Mother's Day as well. Connor, do you guys have Mother's Day in Canada on the same day? You're really, really, yeah, really. really? I, don't, I don't know, man. You guys have a weird Thanksgiving. You got uh, Canada Day. You know, you don't have a 4th of July, obviously. So, like, I don't well, know what's going yes, on. Yes, <laughs> because our Independence Day is different than the Americans. We're three days before you. But 
yes, decent week. Good Mother's Day. Went and saw some family. Uh, socially distanced, obviously, because we're still going to be in a lockdown until at least June 2nd. So we're having a great time in Ontario. But other than that, it'd get me vaccinated. So got the first dose of Pfizer, which I'm happy with. Second dose will come August 30th. So got a long time to wait. Uh, when? <laughs> yes, August 30th. What? That is, how long did you, we had a couple of weeks, I think, in between ours. What Canada is doing is they're giving everybody the first dose first, and then they're giving the second dose. Man, that's a long time. Yes. Uh, So hopefully we get that sooner. Uh, Our province also said we're not using the AstraZeneca vaccine anymore for first doses, even though the odds of having a blood clot from the AstraZeneca is miles less than multitudes of other things including COVID uh, but we won't get into that uh, other than that good game last night Leafs clinched first place in their division kick off the playoffs next week uh, my Blue Jays who I barely really follow beat these boys Braves which was great uh, really enjoyed that one that was fun even though I didn't watch it but uh, you don't even care that <laughs> Hey, I will follow the Blue Jays if they're good. <laughs> that's, that's where it ends. Um, but other than that, yeah, just still grinding, still working. Drew, how are you doing? Because it sounds like you are now wrapped up school. Yeah, I am done with school for the semester. Um, it was funny, people graduated tonight. And if we talked if we called about an hour earlier you probably been able to hear the fireworks from the stadium so it's it's about that time of year so that's really cool i'm done with school getting ready to move um so i'm kind of the same boat as josh getting stuff packed up um but yeah the hawks are good getting ready for nba playoffs it's pretty weird getting ready for basketball playoffs again it's felt like it's been a while um yeah, I well clear of that, please. And thank you. You won a championship like three years ago. I don't want to hear it. We still haven't even been to the finals. Um, yeah, hockey. I dude, I totally stopped following the Canucks. I'm gonna be honest with you that <laughs> the season's been a mess. I don't blame uh, you. They suck. They're really bad. Last year was a fun run. Not so much this year, but yeah, um, it's been going good. Almost. I've wrapped up the school and one more semester left. So we're seeing the end is in sight. So it's been a really good week. Had a good Mother's Day as well. Got to go home and see family. Um, Yeah, so it was a really good week. Um, Drew, when do you move? I move. uh, I go home tomorrow morning. And then Saturday morning, I will leave from the Murrayville metropolis of Murrayville, Georgia and head to Nashville. So Saturday, I moved to Nashville. So you've got a place then? I do, yeah. It's in Hermitage, Tennessee. It's like 20 minutes outside Nashville. House, apartment, good Wi-Fi setup. That's the main thing I care about. <laughs> I don't care if you're in a table, terrible neighborhood. I just care about your Wi-Fi. No, one of the guys works remotely. I did ask him about this. I specifically asked him because I'll be doing stuff from home as well. He said, no, nah, we got a good Wi-Fi setup. So for the sake of the podcast, the show will go on. I will have good Wi-Fi, and Connor won't have to wait 24 <laughs> hours to get an hour-long podcast episode. Which does happen when you're at your parents' house for <laughs> viewers listening, or viewers, listeners listening to this podcast. That happened quite regularly, uh, where I'd have to edit the next day. Although, 
I these podcasts go up usually Sunday night now, so you know, is what it is. But let's hear first before we dive into North Americans Abroad from our sponsor, Drew. Who is that today? Yes, today's podcast is brought to you by Mainscaped, who just released their lawnmower 4.0. We talked a little bit about the lawnmower 3.0 and how phenomenal it was. And Manscaped did it again with the lawnmower 4.0. Uh, it's phenomenal. The craftsmanship and the details on the new 4.0 are next level. Um, it's waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Uh, wireless charging system, so the battery is longer. You don't have to deal with the wires and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, it's phenomenal. They keep working at it. And we have a special offer for listeners listening to this episode. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. Again, that is FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code. Um, so give them a visit. Again, it's phenomenal. It's waterproof, wireless charging. It's one of the best groomers out there. So highly encourage our listeners to take advantage of that offer again one more time is fansida20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Now, getting into North Americans abroad, we didn't have as much of action this week as we've had before, but still some action. Uh, most notably, Brendan Aronson scoring twice for RB Salzburg on Sunday uh, with a 3-1 win over Sturm Graz as uh, Brendan Aronson won the Austrian Bundesliga. He was the first first Austrian title for Aronson, um, second for manager Jesse Marsh. So Americans making their name in Austria. So that is awesome to see. Um, another player that we've talked about a little on the podcast, Georgian Siebichu scored his 15th goal in all competitions for young boys. So he's continuing to tear it up. Um, and I think today, this might be more recently, Gio Reyna won the German Cup with Dortmund 4-1, to beat RB Leipzig. So Tyler Adams lost in the final, but Dortmund got the win 4-1. I think Gio came on late in the game. I know he wasn't starting. I think, yeah, it says here 89th minute. So good to see Americans winning tri- trophies with uh, Zach Steffen winning in Manchester City, Brendan Aronson winning, and now Gio Reyna winning the German Cup. And... As the season and going to getting into MLS, um, again, not a whole lot of transfers as the season is underway, but we did have a transfer, uh, FC Cincinnati. We talked about these guys a little bit, rumored with a defender from Juventus, and they signed a defender. It wasn't that guy. Um, they signed 36-year-old defender Jeff Cameron uh, from, who did he come from? Did he come from Stoke? I. Uh, I think it was Queens Park Rangers that he's been with for a while. As I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, he came from Queens Park Rangers. He was with Stoke for eight years before joining Queens Park Rangers, but that's where he's been the last three years. So he is coming from there. So Josh, obviously FC Cincinnati is kind of in a crap shoot and their defense is kind of at the heart of all of it. So how do you think this signing is going to impact that? Because from my perspective, it's I'm not too concerned with the age, especially if he plays more in a center back role. I think I looked on transfer market and he can play as a center back. I think he spent some time even at right back uh, and even like defensive midfield. So I'm not too concerned about the age, especially if you play center backs because center backs can last a little longer. But I'm just concerned with the fact that Cincinnati has about 15,000 holes in defense and there's no way this guy can fill all of them. So how do you think this signing is going to help 
Cincinnati? Is it going to help it at all, or is it just going to be another bust in this team? I mean, with Cincinnati, there's you know real reason to be concerned that it can end up being a bust. With it being MLS, you know, I'm I'm not sure how worried we can be about him being so old. Although, I mean, I don't know. I, I This could really go either way. I could see Cameron being a strong veteran presence, bringing some leadership, you know, helping that back line and defense stay organized. But at the same time, I could see him struggling with injuries. And he's been in MLS before. He played for the Houston Dynamo back in the the late 2000s, so it's been over a decade, and the league was vastly different back then. The attackers are on a whole nother level now. So, I, you know, I don't know. He might not be able to hang with what MLS is like these days. Either way, we know Cincinnati are in need of a change, something new along that back line. And like I said, who knows? Maybe Cameron can represent that. Connor... We talked last week about the possibility of uh, Keelini joining, and it wasn't him. It's now Jeff Cameron. <laughs> what do you think about uh, this signing for Cincinnati? A much more realistic option. Uh, makes a bit more sense for Cincinnati in terms of it not costing a, an arm and a leg. And Keelini, if we're being honest, probably doesn't want to go to Cincinnati. No offense, Cincinnati. Uh, but you're not exactly the hotspot in North America. Um, but yeah, I think with Jeff Cameron, I really see him as like an Omar Gonzalez light as somebody who's a solid defender, but is really going to struggle, uh, with pace and struggle to keep up with MLS attackers. Um, which I think could be a real issue for Cincinnati because again, this team already isn't good defensively. And I don't think a 36 year old who, wasn't really cutting it in the championship is going to have a huge amount of success in MLS. I don't think it's realistic to see this 36 year old guy to come in and solve all of Cincinnati's problems. So while it's a good addition and they should make as many of these additions as possible to try to strengthen their back line, because it's frankly abysmal, they need more. And while this is a start, this is by no means enough for Cincinnati to really solve all of their problems, in my opinion. Yeah, Cincinnati, in a fun time in the club's history between not being very good at soccer but opening up a freaking cool new stadium in the coming days, which we will talk about in a minute, but we're going to hop on the road and uh, go past the Hell is Real sign. I don't know if we go past it, if we're going over it or whatever, we're going to stick in the wonderful state of Ohio because the Columbus crew made a decision this week. It was a choice. The Columbus crew SC rebranding to Columbus SC unveiled a new crest, a new name. I don't know if it's come into effect. I think I watched them yesterday and I saw Columbus crew when they lost to Toronto. Um, so that is someone out here typed in rant time. This might be a combined rant of all three of us because I think we're all, <laughs> it's not good. It was a choice. And um, yeah, I don't know who wants to, I guess Josh gets the privilege or maybe the unfortunate. Before we go, I do want to ask you a question. We've had a lot of rebrands over the last couple of years. 
Which one has been the worst? Chicago, Montreal, Columbus, or Houston? I think Chicago is the worst. Because it's so bad that they're going to do another one. And like, that's how bad it was, right? Although, no, 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 no. The Columbus one's the worst. <laughs> this Columbus one is the worst. I was going to get mad at you for a second. It's yeah. definitely Columbus. Okay, so I think go ahead, Drew. I'm going to have to say Chicago. Again, this is just a massive who sucks more contest, but I love the <laughs> Fire's name because that was like so historic. The crest was very Chicago fiery. It tied into the city. But they still have the name. Columbus yeah. don't even have their name anymore. It's so no, they bad. do though. But they do, they do, they do. No, it's just no. not official, right? We're gonna call ourselves Ugh. the crew, but we're that, not the crew. Okay, okay. So here's the biggest problem with this, right? It makes no freaking so sense. It makes no freaking <laughs> sense. All right, we can. Okay, so like like Connor said, Houston, Chicago, Montreal, right? They all have one thing in common. Yeah, they all suck, and they're not relevant in their market. Columbus. They may, they may not be the most relevant because they have to deal with the Blue Jackets and, of course, Ohio State. But they don't suck. They just won a freaking championship. Okay, I can understand on some level the other three. And even with the Houston Dynamo, that's not so bad because it was just a logo change. And to be fair, I if like you look it. at their... Yeah, it, I like it, it. it was done well. And if you look at their old logo, it did look kind of early 2000s. It did, did look a little tacky. So it's okay. It was due for an upgrade. Even Montreal's crest, I think the upgrade is okay. However, dropping impact is frustrating. I, I personally am okay with the crest. You're out of your mind in my opinion, we, but okay. When it originally changed, I said that and I still, uh, I still hold firm to that. I do wish the like, flake design was brighter because it just kind of blends together into like a black circle. So that's kind of frustrating, but, but that's beside the point. Yeah, Columbus didn't have to do this. Also, the fact that they just spent all that time and energy saving their franchise. And, yeah, they get to open up a new stadium and they get to celebrate another MLS Cup. And now it's just, like, taken away. And then and then for them to be like, we're still calling it the crew. We're still calling it the crew. Well, then why did you take it away from the name? You literally took it away from the name. And, like Drew said, why the heck... I'm looking at this MLS standings right now on the app. Why the heck is the app updated? Why is the logo updated on the app? Why is it updated on their Twitter page, on their website, and yet in broadcasts and on their kits, it's still the old logo? Can we get some consistency, please? Okay. We So with the broadcasts, they might have to figure out some licensing stuff still in terms of having it licensed so that they're allowed the to kits. show the logo but then the on kits. the broadcasts. They don't want to switch the kits. Because they've already made them, I assume, and don't want to spend money on more of them. If you're going to go ahead and change the logo now, if you're going to change the crest now... I agree. Then I, I, just, think, yeah. I think they can push forward a little money towards Adidas and say, hey, make us, just the team, a special amount of kits for us to use by ourselves. Don't put them on sale yet. You know, wait for the bigger rollout. It's not that hard. CONCACAF, I mean, granted, they do a really terrible job of it, but CONCACAF puts their patches on the kits in a yeah, late this notice. This lasts, like, maybe 10 minutes. Maybe okay. 10 minutes. Look, I think they could do a better job than Con- Anybody can do a better they job use, than CONCACAF. They use children's glue on those patches. <laughs> okay. like. But my point is they can do it, like, in a quick fashion. So, like, what's the point of changing the logo everywhere now if you're not going to do it across the board? They're just being so inconsistent about it. I think that's another really frustrating aspect to this is, like, at least be consistent across the board. 
my random theory that I just came up with now. They didn't want to make the change yet because they wanted to hear the fan feedback. And now, based on their later statements, they definitely didn't want to hear the fan statement or fan feedback because they did and promptly ignored the hell out of it. Um, so I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I think this will end very terribly. They will lose a lot of fans if they don't change it back. Uh, and frankly, the Columbus owners are making a very, very big mistake on this front. And they need to own that because I don't know if you looked at the replies to the Toronto FC Columbus crew game last night, but people are already taking advantage of that logo to hand them L's. So yeah, (laughs) they really didn't think this one through. Um, even though they've been talking about it for months, uh, about a rebrand, which, all right, I'm on the down low though. Yes. Really, really quiet. Like making them sign NDAs is weird. Yeah. It's weird to me. Well, that's to avoid leaks. And I understand that if they want to keep it quiet. Um, my problem was how limited they kept the yes. NDAs to. It's like two people involved with the supporters. Like that's just, eh. yeah, it ended up being like, I think eight of them, for that meeting on Friday, but here is why they did a rebrand. And uh, then I'll let Drew talk because we haven't really heard his thoughts on it yet. But the reason that they did a rebrand is because when you do a rebrand, you get to design new kits. You get to design new memorabilia. You get to design new team gear. And what does that do? It sells like nobody's business. Because all the fans want the new gear for the fresh team, and it's what fans do. They buy the new stuff. That's what I think Columbus is trying to capitalize on. They just they went to try to hit a home run, and they swung so hard they tore their hamstring by missing. Like it's it was a complete, complete swing and a miss. Period. And they need to own that, first of all, because, frankly, if they don't, as I said, fans are going to revolt. But this is the Columbus owners trying to recoup some money because owners and these teams have been hit really, really hard by the pandemic. The major driver in terms of revenue is gone in people in seats. So while I understand it on that front, and why I assume a lot of these rebrands have happened in the last year. This is one that they need to take a look in the mirror and realize we screwed up and they need to own it and rework things because this is not it. But Drew, what were your thoughts on the rebrand? If you're a fan of it, we're going to kick you off the podcast and you'll never speak again. So good news. I'm not a fan of the rebrand. I'll start... I'll start with the name first off, because I think this, I saw a, I think it was on ESPNC, they had like a chart of rebrands and expansion teams since 2015, something like that. And it was a bunch of New York City FC, Atlanta United, Orlando City SC, Nashville SC, Minnesota United, you know, United FC's SC's. So I think that these teams that don't go that route, i.e. Columbus Crew is wonderful 
because it's something different. It's something new that is only an MLS thing. You have teams like the Whitecaps, the Sounders, Timbers, Quakes, Rapids. Um, I'm probably forgetting someone, but you have these names that are not just a United FC or things like that. And I appreciate that. So, and I valued the crew, even though I'm not going to lie, I don't understand what it was, but I appreciate it because it wasn't, no one else had that. You could say the crew and you knew exactly who you're talking about. And like you said, Josh, it's still, you're going to know who you're talking about if you're an MLS person, but they're dropping it. I don't really like that. So the name is just lame. SC is annoying. Um, the logo, to me, it looks like an eSports logo. I don't know if that's just like a weird thing about me, which no hate toward eSports teams, but it's not a soccer logo, so I'm not the biggest fan of that. And Josh brought up a good point that it felt like everything was going right for Columbus right now. You're coming off a championship. You have a dope new stadium that's being opened up in a couple of months, I think. You're looking like you're going to have another shot to win it this year because this team's locked up for the long haul. You have Zillarion still tearing up. You just got Bradley Wright Phillips. So this is like a prime time era for the Columbus crew to tear up the league for years to come in a new stadium after being on the brink of being moved to Texas. Everything was going right for Columbus. He just like screwed it up. Now the team's not going to be terrible because the logo changed, but it's still, there's like that weird. I don't know. Their one game with the new logo really didn't go very well. If we're being, you know, that's good. (laughs) You know, that's going to be like a thing like record with the old logo record with the new logo. Um, Good. (laughs) Could someone keep these people accountable? I'm interested, though, I, if they actually change it back. Because like Connor said, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. And he's right that teams do this stuff to sell shirts, sell jerseys, sell hats, sell scarves. But also, I mean, it costs a lot of money to make those things. So they're banking on selling a lot of this stuff. And the way it's being received, it's not looking too good. At the end of the day, I mean, it's a very if good they... Point. If they win the league, people are going to buy shirts either way. But still, this is a pretty big, really, guys, like everything was going right for us. And then you mess it up after a team that if anyone knows the power of fans in this league, it's probably the Columbus crew because all the stuff they've been through. And for that to happen is lame. Um, I want to see when the new kits release. I assume it's going to be the same kits just with a new logo. I'm not already a fan of their, I think it's their away kits, like the silver gray thing. I don't, not already a fan of those. And the new logo is just going to make it even worse. But yeah, Columbus rebranded. Um, One other thing I want to say about the name, especially, is that was their rallying cry. Save the crew. Like that is like, that's what everyone, whether you're a Columbus crew fan or not, that's what you associate with them saving their franchise. I, like, one of my earliest memories of MLS is the week that it was announced or leaked that Precourt wanted to take the team to Texas. That's when Atlanta hosted them in the playoffs. And part of me, like, didn't even mind Atlanta losing to Columbus, knowing what they were going through that week. Because if I remember correctly, there was a Save the Crew sign in the Atlanta supporters section that night. And so it was already a big deal. And that was the week it happened. And we all know what happened after that for about the next, you know, year they had to play the entire 2019 season underneath that cloud of, is this team even going to exist here anymore after this? And that became the rallying cry for them and for the league, honestly. And to take that away so soon, 
and after all the goodwill the Haslam's have have given to Columbus now with a new stadium and a championship winning team, it's just blows my mind. It blows everybody's mind because it's just so incomprehensible to to go down this path. And also, you know, to back up Drew's point, yeah, the new kits suck, man. Like, why? Yellow is the color associated with the Columbus crew, and it's very obvious that they're trying to get away with that. The new logo is predominantly black. They're turning their black kits into the primary kits already, and they've got white kits with yellow shorts and yellow socks, and it looks ugly to me, which sucks because as far as that color yellow goes, actually, the night of that playoff game, on on my way to the game, was listening to it on the radio, the pregame show, and the announcer said... Um, he called him the highlighter, burn your eyes out yellow. And, like, it was kind of meant as a jab because it was Atlanta United's opponent that night. But, like, that's the crew, you know? Like, that's the color I associate with Columbus crew. And, and that's being taken away from them. So, I just feel so bad for their fans, man. Like, they've been kicked down so hard. And then they, they rose from the ashes. And now they're getting knocked back down again. Like, just, it's got to be exhausting being a Columbus fan. You got to feel for them. Yeah, the Nordecki, who I think I'm saying that right. Cl- yeah, I think, I think the right. main Columbus supporter section, they've had people resign. Like the guy who makes their TIFOs and was involved in all that stuff, who's uh, featured pretty heavily in the athletics article, he just resigned. Like he said, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and I think a lot of people are in that boat. I think a lot of people are done with having to deal with another rebrand. They don't want to go through having to fight for their team again. They're tired. And as I said, I think Columbus are going to lose fans over this. Like, they're really playing with fire right now. All that goodwill, as you mentioned, Josh, they just lit it right in front of this, their supporters' faces and said, we don't care. Like, our pockets are more important than this team. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's tough. Unfortunately, it's a reality. And... It's the reality of sports being a business, which ultimately they are. Um, but we should move on to the next team situation, I guess, uh, which sort of broke this week. I believe there have been rumors surrounding this for a while, um, but it sort of officially came out that Orlando will likely be sold to the Wilf family, who own the Minnesota Vikings, uh, which is the NFL team, which... I presume everybody knows because I assume most people who listen to this podcast are Americans, um, as well as having a minority stake in Nashville SC. This is a conflict of interest, right? Like, how is this allowed? I haven't seen anything about it because I've been wondering the same thing. And this has been pointed out like it's no secret. Um, I am guessing that as soon as the sale becomes official for Orlando, they will then sell their stake in Nashville, like immediately. They probably already have, I assume, someone lined up to be taking over their shares. So that's probably a somewhat easy process considering Nashville have been pretty successful and they've got a stadium coming out next year and it's a minority ownership. But it is it is interesting that they already do have some sort of MLS ownership and now they're taking a bigger step. Should say it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that they keep it. Uh, I don't don't know if you two are familiar with the NWHL, but the Toronto team, uh, the Toronto Six, and the Boston team, Boston Pride, are owned by the same owners. Like, exact same ownership group. 
Granted, they're the only non-league owner owned teams in the NWHL, but that's an entire other discussion. What we didn't put in the dock, and we should have put in the dock, Alex Ovechkin is now part owner of the Washington Spirit. Wow, that is huge for the NWSL. Either of you any thoughts on the greatest goal scorer in NHL history? Whoa. He Whoa. is. He is. Okay. Uh, I Error adjusted, I believe he is. Oh, okay. And will probably, could very realistically pass Wayne Gretzky's goals record. Um, what are your thoughts on potential, on the greatest goal scorer in NHL history taking over a women's soccer team? I will mention his mom was an athlete as well as his dad, who I believe played soccer. I can't remember what his mom did, but they were both very good athletes. I I just saw that for that press conference announcing him as a uh, minority owner. It's, he is minority owner, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, okay. I, he doesn't have enough money to majority own that team. Uh, it's um, not quite like the money you earn in the MLB, etc. cetera. Uh, he'll be lucky if he breaks $100 million. Um. I did see that Aubrey Bledsoe was in the introductory press conference. So I thought that was pretty cool. She was, I think there were two players and she was one of the two. So that's, that's really all I have to take away from that. I mean, obviously it's great that he's involved, but you guys can probably put it more eloquently. Drew, what do you think of Ovechkin getting involved with the spirit? Yeah, it's awesome. I think the spirit have gone through a little more ownership change than just Ovechkin. I think, um, I'm totally botching on the names, but they've been through a lot and they have a lot of women on their ownership groups, which is awesome to see in the NWSL and just in sports in general. But yeah, I think, I mean, the NWSL, you have Angel City FC with um, Serena Williams is a part owner and there's a ton of owners in that team. Um, Naomi Osaka owns... With the Courage. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a bunch of really awesome athletes um that are getting in on the league with you know louisville coming up just expanding in general um there's been talks of the league expanding to sacramento that's just a weird situation with sacramento being a weird situation in general um yeah it's awesome to see i know he means a lot to dc sports um so hopefully having that legend um that people go to see all the time on the ice hopefully him having a platform and um, promoting the NWSL will help get people to go to spirit games because they play some of their games, if not all their games in Audi field. And there was one game they sold out. I think it was like 17,000 people. And it was pretty awesome to see between that. And then, you know, Portland is Portland when it comes to the NWSL, the Thorns who just won the challenge cup. We got to mention that. Um, I mean, that stadium has what? 20 something thousand people. Louisville stadiums off the chain. And it's just, it's an exciting time in the NBSL. Regular season starts pretty soon, um, but Ovechkin getting in on it is awesome. And uh, we should mention, as we were talking about Orlando City being sold, um, that also does include the Orlando Pride, so they're also in this whole thing. But yeah, it's an interesting situation in Orlando. The only thing I know about it is I love the Minnesota Vikings because they always beat the Saints in the playoffs, <laughs> so that's cool. Um, the conflict of interest thing... I feel like MLS would know. I mean, surely they're not able to get this far in there with something being this obvious. But I don't know what to say about the conflict of interest thing, except that I trust and I hope MLS is not just going to release a statement in a couple weeks, pretty much saying like, oh, crap, we didn't know that. But 
I think I think maybe because it's just a minority stake in it, they're fine. But that's definitely a weird situation that I'm not a sport lawyer, so I can't really say. I wonder if it's different because these owners don't actually own the teams. They own a part of MLS, right? Because MLS owns all the teams. Well, it's like a central organization. Be, be, yeah, because it's single entity, it's like different yeah. than like it would be for like Europe or whatever. Also, this isn't the first time this has happened in MLS history. There was a time when there were only three owners in the league. And, like, dudes owned multiple teams. Kraft, uh, Phil Anschutz, and the Hunt family. Like, there was, like, ten teams in the early 2000s, and those were the only three owners for all ten teams. So, yeah, this isn't something that's new, and MLS knows how to handle it. Speaking of MLS... I just wanted to say one more thing. Are there any other teams that were purple in North America? Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings are going to be the Wolf family's next purchase because every <laughs> sports team they own wears purple. There's got There's probably a couple other ones. Well, this entire episode, now, right? I'm going to be thinking, yeah, Louisville City and Racing It's Louisville. like a different shade of purple, though. This entire episode, I'm going to be thinking about that. I'll let you know. You're welcome. <laughs> there should be, do the Lakers count? They're gold. They're gold. Okay, but purple. Like they have purple jerseys. Part. Yeah, they have purple jerseys. I will be very honest with the Will. <laughs> they can buy the here. Lakers now. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't quite think they could afford the Los Angeles Lakers because I don't think the Bus family will be yeah, selling that anytime soon. It would be really hard to get that franchise away from them. Yeah, uh, I mean, but... even their own family fought over it, and Jeannie Bus still won. So <laughs> there's no way you're taking it from her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That... Anyways. Yeah. Speaking speaking of money, today it was released by the MLS Players Association this year's player salaries, and this was base salary and guaranteed compensation. So there's still bonuses and other things that factor in uh, into the contract that weren't released, um, and there were a couple players whose most recent contracts are not reflected. Um, someone like Jeff Cameron, Jefferson Sotelo, who's just signed, not a factor in these numbers released today. But for the most part, pretty up to date. As of April 15th, when the league became roster compliant, most teams became roster compliant. Um, but as these numbers came out, a lot, uh, lot of thoughts surrounding some of these players and the money they're making, especially around uh, Atlanta United. Uh, I'll go with Drew first. We had a very interesting article shared with the Atlanta United community this week. The Lipe Cardenas of the of the Athletic dropped. I don't want to call it a bombshell because it wasn't like earth shattering, but it, he definitely shined some light on the inner workings of Atlanta United, especially their front office. Um, it might be showing some of its cracks now, but roster came into effect. What are your thoughts on some of these player salaries today, Drew? Yeah, I mean. You know, there's I when I look at this list on the athletic, I think it starts. It has the top, the top twenty seven highest players in the league. Um, this is really funny. Cincinnati is the only team with three players in the top twenty seven, and it's Cincinnati. So I'm gonna let Connor roast them on that. But before Connor <laughs> roasts them on that, so when I look at this list, I my mind goes to what are some players at the top of the list that aren't performing as well as they should be. And we're some players at the bottom of the list that are performing better than they should be. Um, and before the season, I would have said Chicharito being second in the league is pretty 
hilarious, but he's turning up right now and looks like he might be worth it for the Galaxy. But my biggest thing is Zellerion is, well, if I get the math right here, 27, 26, 25th. He's 24th. And he just tore up Seattle in the final, and he's 24th in the league. And he's phenomenal. So that's, and then you have players like Jurgen Lakadia who are above him, and he's not producing. Um, yeah, so the biggest thing I think for me probably have to be Zellerion being so low in the list. Um, Brenner is also on the list. We've seen a little bit of him. Lucho Acosta is on the list. And yeah, Jurgen Lakadia makes up Cincinnati's three players on the list. Um, I'm trying to scroll down by teams and see who. Brad Guzan being the highest-paid goalkeeper is kind of hilarious. We talked about that a little bit before we jumped on the podcast. Connor has made his feelings very clear about the the brick the bald brick wall that is Brad Guzan. Um, brick wall is one way of putting that. He's an MLS Cup champion. Let it slide. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so, I mean, so is Alex Bono. We know how Connor feels about that too. Yeah, we'll get into him. Trust me. Wait, no, I'm sorry, Alex Bono. My bad. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of takeaways on this except that this MLS is a weird league, man. You got Cincinnati top five, you got Chicago at seventh, and teams aren't very good. And then you have um, Philadelphia near the very bottom, and we know what Philadelphia is. So that's my biggest takeaway. This league's a crapshoot with the salary caps and all the weird Tam Gam DP nonsense these owners have to deal with and GMs. Um, there's so much that goes into making a good team, and every signing has to be relatively good if you want your team to succeed. Um, so my biggest takeaway is that there's some bad teams near the top of spending money. There's some really good teams near the bottom of spending money. Connor, you talked about Cincinnati. I think you specifically requested that we roast Cincinnati for spending all this money and being terrible. So what do you think about Cincinnati being that high up and are there any other factors, anything else you're, that stick out to you on this list? How can you be the fifth highest spending MLS team and that bad? They are abysmal. How are they playing? Playing. First of all, yes, how are they playing Jurgen Lokadia? But how are they paying Jurgen Lokadia? 2.8. Eight one two five million dollars, which is more than Carles Gill, Nicholas Ladero, Luis Nani, Sebastian Blanco, Gustavo Bo, Raul Ruiz Diaz, Jonathan DeSantos, Lucas Zellarian. Like the list, Darlington Nagby. The list just keeps growing. Hey, even the legend Jurgen Dam is on <laughs> lower paid than he is. Don't do that. <laughs> It's frankly abysmal how they can have be spending that much money on players and be that terrible. Even Inner Miami, like they're the highest, well, second highest spending team behind TFC because the Citeldo and Lawrence transfers weren't included, but the second highest spending team who are pretty terrible are playing Gonzalo Higuain. million dollars that is really bad and not every team every team has a bad contract like as i mentioned jurgen dom woof at 1.582509 because for some reason he earns nine dollars and they couldn't just round it up or down 
Uh, Michael Bradley makes 1.5. I think that's more understandable. Josie Altador. We all know how bad that contract is. Omar Gonzalez makes over a million bucks. Like, there are some really, really, really bad contracts. And you notice a trend with them. All the bad contracts tend to be on the not very good teams. So... MLS has got to get better at player acquisition because having Jurgen Lacadia that high on the list, having Franco Yara or Jara, whoever you want to say Hara. his name, Ara, Hara, whatever, having him that high on that list, yikes. Victor Wanyama is making three mil a year. Is he really that much better than Michael Bradley? I mean, okay, so these are all valid points. However, as much as I agree that Wanyama and especially Gonzalo Higuain, those kinds of players are being paid too much, they are coming from leagues that have absurd amount of money compared to MLS. So, like, you know, you've got to sweeten the deal somehow to get them to come. So I can understand why you have to pay. Now, it, it looks horrible to be spending that much money on Higuain in the context of the league itself. But from a global standpoint, you know, yeah, you probably had to throw him a few million and say, hey, please, please come be on our little MLS team, you know, kind of deal. Uh, even though Miami has its own kind of pull as a city. I, I really don't get the Frank O'Hara one. You're talking about getting better at player acquisition. FC Dallas sucks at players that don't come from their academy. It's, it blows my mind. They're so amazing at talent acquisition, you know, as kids. <laughs> Like, they're so good at picking out these kids to be on their team, and they, they can't get one DP signing right. They can't get one TAM signing right. Like, thank God their academy is so good, or else they'd be, like, one of the worst teams in the league. So, and then with Wanyama, I mean, like, he's coming from Spurs. Like, you gotta you got to throw money. But you're right. There is a trend. There's a trend with Dallas and being really bad at signing players that aren't from the academy. There's a trend with Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yes. Signing players in general. Um, even Atlanta United, I would argue that since Tata left, player acquisition has been mediocre at best. Um, just lots of not good players for too much money. Losing players because you quote-unquote couldn't pay them or couldn't afford them, and yet compared to the players you're bringing in, you're spending the same amount of money uh, for arguably worse players. So definitely uh, you're right. I think the scouting for MLS when it comes to these higher-paid players has to take a step up for sure. Drew, what are your thoughts on the salary stuff that came out today? And what do you think the MLS has to do in order to become more of a, a well-spending league and B have more of an impact on spending in world soccer? Because the championship, which is, I'd argue a comparable league spends 25 million on average per season. I think something like that. What are the what does MLS have to do? I think I think this is a conversation that we've been having for a very long time. You know, there's always the drop the whole DP idea and just let teams spin to their hearts delights, um like I think is comparable to leagues in Europe. Obviously, they do have some financial restrictions, but it's not to the same extent as 
you know, we have an MLS where it's very salary cap based and things like that, which I think it's also worth noting when we have this conversation that MLS has to, when MLS is competing for viewers, right? TV eyes, which equals TV money. MLS is not just competing with, you know, Liga MX, um, leagues in South America, Premier League, et cetera. They're also competing for fans of NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and those leagues, with the exception of Major League Baseball, are very salary cap oriented. I think the NFL is you can't go a dime over the cap. It's very, you have to pay this player so much. I think they have a floor and a ceiling. I'm not sure what the deal is with the NHL. Exact same system. Exact same system. So America is very used to don't pay these ridiculous amounts of money just to build these crazy teams. Um, And MLS is just trying to, we say all the time, they're trying to be a league of parity. They're trying to create a fun league where it's not just the Alabama Crimson Tide winning every year, like we see in college football or stuff like that. Um, So I think that needs to be held into account when talking about clubs spending money, but also, I mean, like we talk about if we want MLS to, be a better league and compete in Europe or things like that. They're just going to have to let the owners go to their hearts to light. And that's when I honestly think it comes down to the owner owners of each team. So you're talking, you know, we talk about Lane United, Arthur Blank. I think the guy owns the Falcons. He spends money, whether or not that money is working right now or not, that remains to be seen. But I don't think I've ever been, well, up until this past week, I don't think I've ever been frustrated with Lane United not spending money. Um, Again, that kind of changed a little bit with news breaking, but yeah, I think it's up to the owners. Um, and obviously the league has to work with the owners as well to make rules that if they want to keep their competitive balance, I think is the fancy way of saying a league of parity. If they want to keep teams competing and keep it interesting, um, but also if they want to compete in the world stage, they got to loosen up these restrictions and let the owners spend their money's delight. So I think it's a weird balance of continuing your parity so you remain competitive in your cities because with the none of these cities are just every MLS city has a sports team in that city that they're competing with. Like the Timbers are competing to get fans from the Trailblazers and United is competing with Braves fans, you know, to get those people in seats. Um, And to do that, I think you have to have this competitive balance. But again, if you want to be on the world stage, you got to let owners kind of go crazy with their money. So it's a weird balance. I think if MLS wants to compete on a global stage. How opposed or in favor would you guys be to MLS adopting the NHL model of having a floor and a ceiling? Uh, say a floor of $15 million or whatever you want to go with and a ceiling of $30 million. Do you think that would help with MLS's spending and really improve the quality of the league? I mean, yeah, it would definitely bring up those, those lower teams. Um, and I, I don't think it would be... I don't think it would be bad. It, I think it would be great to force teams to spend. Um, although I do think that it's kind of fixing itself. You know, I don't. Maybe two years ago, you look at some teams. Uh, New England um, kind of jumps out at me, but they're DC a couple years ago. I mean, you could make huge arguments like these teams aren't doing enough to compete, but it's kind of changed, and I, I feel like there's like these ebbs and flows. The only team I can think of right now that I would say isn't necessarily doing enough is Houston, but literally as we speak, they're fourth in the West. 
So just because they're not going out and making huge acquisitions on its face doesn't mean they're not building a strong squad. So I think it would be it would be good from a like you say a base standpoint of making sure everyone's on an at least competitive level as far as their spending uh, from a from a floor standpoint because there's already a ceiling in MLS. But you know I don't think it's it's necessary for the league to stay competitive if that makes sense. All right, and I guess final thing before we hit some games, um, I take a quick ad break. There are rumors of Pellegrini, who is currently with Fort Lauderdale because Inter-Miami were not rostered uh, compliant, of going back to Estudiantes, I believe I said that correctly, uh, where he was before joining Miami. So we'll see where that goes, but it would be a lot better for him being with them than Fort Lauderdale because I feel like the quality is a little bit better in Argentina than it is in the USL. USL League One, signing championship. Like we're talking third division American soccer, which I disagree with. I believe the third division of American soccer is <laughs> levels above Argentine, <laughs> Argentine Premier, uh, you know, first division. But whatever, you know, who am I? Who am I to say? Honestly, until they play each other, we'll never know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I guess without further ado, we'll take a quick ad break before we dive into some MLS games. And welcome back. Uh, we are here after talking about a crazy, some transfers, some crazy just things in MLS. We're going to talk about some actual MLS games that happened. Um, we had a double game week this week. We had games this past weekend. We had games... Today, as we're recording this, DC United just wrapped up a win, and we had games yesterday. We had a lot of games yesterday, so we have some games to talk about. We're going to pick out some games that stood out to us um, as standings continue to shuffle around, and we're going to start with San Jose beating RSL 2-1 on Friday night. RSL remains on the podcast because RSL is cool now, but unfortunately they lost 2-1. I think San Jose... Yeah, San Jose also lost 1-0 on Wednesday night at home against Seattle. We'll talk about that later. So San Jose has been on kind of a roller coaster. Um, guys, we talked about RSL last week, how they were on a solid start. I think their loss to San Jose was its first loss of the season. I don't know exactly where they sit in the standings right now. But this early on in the season, I know standings are still a little congested. You know, you win a game, you jump from... 8th to 2nd, or something like that, or you lose a game, you go from 3rd to 10th in the standings, or something like that. But out of this, well, we've been in the season for about a month now, out of this first month, talking about San Jose and RSL, because these are two interesting teams, I think, that have been surprising some people. For sure, RSL has surprised some people. But out of this first month, where do you think, Connor, I guess I'll call on you as I'm the calling on person here in the podcast, you're I'm the teacher calling on you. Um, what do you think about RSL and San Jose this far in the season and where they sit in the standings? Well, Mr. Hubbard, um, <laughs> I'm going to make you call me that for the rest of the time. Now, both of you. <laughs> All right, Mr. Hubbard. Um, frankly, I just think these are two not very good teams. I don't think uh, Rubio Rubin is going to continue scoring bicycle kicks. Uh, I feel like that's probably <laughs> not that bold of an assessment. Um, I also don't think, well, I actually, Wanda will probably continue to do this. I don't think the rest of 
San Jose will be able to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, Wando, on the other hand, seems to never age, which, please, give me everything he has. Uh, I'd love to be that athletic at his age. But, yeah, I think... Actually, I'd love to be that athletic at this age, uh, (laughs) frankly. But, yeah, I think, look... We're going to see these games between two teams where they look quality against each other. They look pretty decent. But that's because they're two not very good teams and they're playing somebody of equal competition. Then we'll get games like last night where we see San Jose play Seattle, where while San Jose had a few good attempts, it sort of felt like Seattle was playing with their food a little bit, in my opinion. Um you gave me that look. They were doing that without Nicholas Ladero. I don't even know so, what that analogy even means. No, I know what that means. Playing with that's their why food? I was giving you the look. I have no idea what that means. That was really confusing for me. You don't so, know someone. Okay. When I was playing pickup the other night, a friend was dribbling some of some of our other friends, and someone said that they're like, "Joe, stop playing with your food. Just score." <laughs> I, is that's something you? Wow. Okay, I thought that was just common knowledge. Yeah, so did I. Drew's, Drew's in the minority here. <laughs> okay, good. I was... Mr. Hubbard, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Hubbard. We won't talk back anymore. Um... <laughs> it's funny that Josh is the actual teacher in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, we have I'm, an actual I'm, I'm teacher. I'm the one who's getting used to being called like Mr. Boland. And so <laughs> you, you're one of those people. I would just have my students call me Connor. I mean, I can't have middle schoolers calling me by my first name. It's like totally against, you know... Maybe, yeah, middle schoolers, it's a little different. Uh, but now, my high schoolers, yeah, in that yeah. setting, like, it's more laid back, and I do have them, but that's that's something that's different entirely. But, but yeah, you're, I don't agree with your assessment about Seattle playing with their food last night. I thought San Jose held up pretty well. You're right, yeah, they don't have Nico Ladero, but at the same time, it's not like, you know, they had their foots on San Jose's throat the whole time. Like, this isn't like... Seattle and LA Galaxy a couple weeks ago when it was very obvious that there were teams on two different levels. Now, yeah, you could be right. San Jose could still end up being a terrible team. RSL could still end up being a terrible team. But from what we've seen so far, I think RSL is legit in terms of being a mid to... Mid is probably the wrong way to say it. I think they will be in the hunt for the playoffs this year. And this is a huge change from all of us putting them last in the West. And I think the fact that they are, are playing so well against these good teams is a good indication of them in the long run. Yeah, I, yeah you know you're shaking your head, but it's not like it's not like the Rubio-Rubin goal came out of nowhere. I mean, it took San Jose, Chris Wondolowski to beat RSL here at the end, whereas they didn't look half as bad against Seattle. They look better against Seattle than they did against RSL. I mean, that's just soccer for you, you know? You have super sub Wando. He scores goals. That is a, a soccer fact of life. But then, you know, you come up against Seattle, you play well, and you just it just didn't break their way. They just couldn't find the back of the net, and that happens sometimes, you know? I also think Cade Cowell is starting to get a taste of the league. Like, Seattle was physical with him, and that's fine. you got to be physical with Cade Cowell to slow him down. And I don't think every team's going to be able to do that, and I think Cal's going to start to figure out ways to get around that as he matures as a player. But I, I, I think you're discrediting both of these teams a little too much. I think you're being sold a con job because these two teams, they don't have the depth for the second half of the season. They're going to have terrible second halves. It's my prediction. 
I can agree with you about RSL's depth, but I do think San Jose finally has the depth to make it a whole season under their style. They've brought in enough players that are used to Almeida and his way of playing that I do think they can withstand a season. But I do agree with you on RSL. Maybe they don't have the depth to do it. Drew, what do you think of these two teams? Do you think they're phonies like Connor thinks? Or do you think there's some legitimacy to their strong starts for them? I mean, it's Mr. San Jose Hubbard is second. Mr. Mr. Hubbard. S- San Jose is second in the West right now. And, I mean, yeah, you've got teams like LAFC and Portland bringing up the rear. But, I mean, that's, that's a strong start. They're, they're getting almost two points a game. Yeah, I think it's really funny that we're mentioning standings because I was looking at my standings right now. And out of the bottom, out of my top four teams, uh, currently three of them are the bottom three of the table in the West. So that's really funny. Um, and I had RSL finishing next to last. So when RSL wins MLS Cup, I don't want the slander of me sleeping on them. I had them finishing 12th, not 13th. But anyway, I am convinced out of these two teams, I'm more sold on San Jose than I am RSL. I think second in the West, maybe not so much. But when you talk about this game against Seattle, Seattle had one shot on goal. And eventually it was the game winner, so you just need one to do it. It only takes one. And That was a banger, too. That's not a goal everybody scores. So, I mean, look at the stats. San Jose outpossessed them. They had better passing accuracy. And again, this is all just like, unless I can't read, that definitely says 81. I can read. Um, again, all these stats are just nonsense if you don't win the game, but... Yeah, San Jose hung with Seattle. You bring up a good analogy with LA Galaxy. I mean, that was honestly, I don't think the Galaxy was as bad as the scoreboard looked, but that was a long time ago. That was a couple episodes ago. Um, but yeah, I'm more sold on San Jose than I am RSL. RSL still kind of, the jury's still out on them for me, I think. Um, definitely they are better than people had them because we had them really low. Um, they have... Nashville, Dallas, Minnesota, Vancouver is their next four until they play Seattle, June 23rd. Um, So they have a pretty interesting stretch. I think everyone has their eyes on this team, given how well they've done. Um, They've beaten Minnesota, which Minnesota has been a crapshoot. Beat Sporting Kansas City, which I think that is what what got people's attention, beating SKC 3-1, and then eventually losing to San Jose this week, past weekend. so yeah, I'm more sold on San Jose than I am RSL. I think San Jose is legit. Um, and I'm excited to see whether they have it. It's a fun team. Who knows? Next time we talk about them, it could be because they lost 5-0 to Vancouver or something like that. It seems a crapshoot. And no one really knows what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, Connor, what do you think out of these teams? I know you're not high on either of these teams, but if you had to pick one, which team are you more convinced is legit after this strong start? San Jose. Easily. Like, I, I did just dog on them, but I think they are a borderline playoff team. And I think in my predictions, I can't remember what I had them. Let's look. Um, oh, where is I know. I'm pretty sure I had them fifth in the West. Like, they're going to they're gonna have a strong enough season. They, they've shown year-over-year improvement, so I think they're at least a solid playoff team. I, I don't think they'll be fighting for the playoffs. Let's see. I had them eighth, by the way. I don't have them as high as uh, Mr. Boland here. I had them. Josh, you had them sitting in fifth. I have them sitting in tenth. I still back that. Slander. I still back that. Hey, man, you keep backing that all you want. All you want. I'm a little uncertain. Uh, Having Minnesota in the playoffs is probably going to regret that one, but um, I'm sure we'll get into that in a second. Uh, 
I back San Jose more than I back RSL only because I think they're more well dispersed in terms of their talent. I think if RSL lose Ruben, they're done. They're also going to get Bobby Wood. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. Maybe Rubio Rubin can't score at this much of a pace, but like you're getting reinforcements. Jonathan Menendez, I think we've talked about that last week. I don't know what the status is on that, but it looks like they're getting better. I think that's a summer sign. They're trying to get better. Yeah, they, they could be getting reinforcements as the season progresses. So, yeah, you're right. Maybe Rubio Rubin is not going to score bikes every week. I mean, that's unrealistic, of course. But, hey, speaking of Rubin, like, he had two assists in the first game, two goals in the second game, awesome bicycle kick in the third game. Strong start for him. Anderson Julio had a brace in the first week, and he was one of their, like, young – I don't know if it was a U22 signing, but he was a young TAM signing. So, our RSL are – Maybe they're outperforming, maybe they're not. But speaking of outperforming, we've talked about this team a few times over the last couple weeks, how young they are, how they're starting to find a foothold. Uh, New York Red Bulls, they hosted Toronto FC at Red Bull Arena. It was the return of the great Chris Armas (laughs) as the uh, local Toronto broadcast likes to pronounce his name. It's pretty funny. Um, Well, it's a a very good assessment of him. Let's put it that way. Red Bulls beat Toronto 2-0. Frankie Amaya and Caden Clark scored. Um, for once, Caden Clark's goal was not a banger, and it was not a volley. I don't know. I, like, I was literally expecting when I saw the clip, I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a volley, right? And it was like just on the ground. I was like, that's weird. Um, Connor, you're the, you're the Toronto fan, obviously. They did end up winning last night, Wednesday night, against defending MLS Cup champs Columbus, who have arguably had the worst week of the of the league this week but at the time i think i saw you ranting on twitter a little bit about the game you know what, what were your thoughts on red bulls uh taking it to toronto ah where do i begin is probably the better question alex bono is not toronto fc's goalie period like I, he I thought was, Westberg was injured, by the way. Like, why no, isn't he? No, he isn't. He's perfectly healthy. He's perfectly capable of going in. I know for a fact certain people want him to go in over Bono. Um, but Armas is stubborn. That was something we knew the second he was hired. He is a stubborn, stubborn coach. And he's going with Bono as his guy. For whatever reason, I have no idea. He's Bono. He can't distribute the ball. Like he was more effective last night, but that's just because they had him pass it to the central defenders. Anytime he's got to put the ball upfield, nine times out of ten it isn't accurate, and it's a giveaway. So, I think you need to give Westberg a shot. I think he would fit better in this system, but Chris Armas refuses to use him. And I don't understand why. Last night was the perfect opportunity to do that. A midweek game against a good team. You know, if they're not, He's not going to do it tomorrow. I better see Westbrook on the team sheet come Saturday. Because you can't play Alex Bono every single game of the season. He will injure himself. Period. Um... So that was a major issue with me in terms of them playing uh, Bono, especially when their system for that game was similar to the Calgary Flames in 
they play dump and chase. Soccer, which works when you're allowed to physically body check guys into the boards and there's boards to bounce the ball off of, doesn't really work when you're playing the New York Red Bulls. Um, So, Armas, he did fix that in the Columbus game. Played a bit more direct. But, I don't know when you start asking questions about him and his decisions, but I'm getting pretty close to questioning whether or not he should still be manager of this team. He just hasn't been very good. His decision-making has been subpar at best. Like, last night, he brought on two strikers holding a one nothing lead. Why would you bring on two strikers? Ultimately, it paid off because Josie had a ball in from an inch off the line. But why? It just it doesn't make sense to me, a lot of his decision-making. I think the pressing system would work very, very well with Toronto FC. I just don't think he's the one to implement it because I don't think he's shown enough success or enough willingness to change to work with this team who suffers a whole lot of injuries and requires a lot of work on the spot and a lot of tinkering because you're not going to have your ideal lineup every single week. And I don't know if Armas is willing to do that, is willing to tinker with that lineup enough to really make a difference. But I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. I don't know if either of you saw this game. If you did, I feel sorry for you because it was not enjoyable. Uh, Neither team was very good. But what are your thoughts on... How do you think the Red Bulls have done? Because we've talked a lot about Toronto FC in terms of how they've performed so far this season. How do you think New York Red Bulls have adapted to the beginning of this season... Uh, we didn't mention the Kaku stuff, but I'm sure that's hanging over their heads right now. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Red Bulls in this match on the entire season? And what are your thoughts on Chris Armas as Toronto FC's manager? Yeah, I think... Which which one do we want to tackle first? So Toronto, I didn't get to watch this game. I did watch yesterday's game against Columbus and I thought Toronto was really freaking good specifically Michael Bradley was phenomenal uh, it pains my heart to say that sentence but he was really <laughs> good for Toronto um yeah talking about the Red Bulls um it feels like every time I mean you look at their results right they started this season losing 2-1 to SKC they lost to Galaxy 3-2 and they've gone back to back 2-0 wins over Chicago and Toronto what I'm really excited about is their stretch upcoming because they play Philadelphia Saturday the 15th, and then they play New England. They have a tough stretch ahead of them. They have Philadelphia, Red Bull, Orlando, Nashville, New England again in Atlanta. Oh, goodness, their stretch is terrible. Okay, so that changes how I feel about this team. I think this they're a super young team, right? Every time we talk about the Red Bulls, we talk about this this youth movement, you have Frankie Amaya, you have Caden Clark scoring bangers, helping out my fantasy team, so thanks, buddy. Um, and it's a young team, right? And I think with young players, you're going to have these spurts of consistency and consistency, playing really good, playing really bad all of a sudden. And that's just a part of growing up and playing soccer and becoming mature players. And I think we're going to see that with the Red Bulls this season. You know, teams are going to learn how to start defending these guys, how to start defending Caden Clark. Um, and unfortunately, he's not going to be scoring at this crazy rate that he is right now. So I think the Red Bulls, uh, 
This is, I don't know where I had them in the standings. I think they bubble playoff team, I think is where I had them. And I think that's where I'm going to sit on these guys. They're a young team. We're going to see spurts of consistency and inconsistency. Um, They have a pretty rough schedule as they're kind of congested in that Northeast. I think MLS is trying to keep them as close together as they can. So they play really good teams a lot. And I think it's going to come back and hurt them. I think this is just going to be year one in a longer project. And in a couple of years, we'll be talking about the Red Bulls being those collapse in the Eastern Conference teams because we know they won't win an MLS Cup anytime soon. But that's my take on the Red Bulls. Josh, what do you think about the Red Bulls in Toronto right now in the season? Yeah, I was never high on the, the Chris Armas signing for Toronto. It just didn't make sense to me that I mean, you inherited a team that knew how to press in Red Bulls, decided, hey, let's add in the plan B of possessing the ball and not pressing so furiously. And then it kind of, like, messed up the team. And then you get to Toronto, and you're taking a team that already knows how to possess really well, and you're saying, let's make them press now. So I don't really understand his logic of changing up these teams he takes over. I think that was Um, uh, partially to do with Ali Curtis. I think he wanted to change the play style up as well. I, you know, that makes sense, especially with Curtis coming from Red Bulls and his history there. But at the same time, with the way the roster is constructed, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Armas is the guy for that, you know, but that does make sense. Um, So I'm interested to see what happens with Toronto down the road. You know, you can't deny that they have talent and maybe they will win in spite of Armas. You know, that remains to be seen. As for Red Bulls. Like Drew said, that's exact. I mean, I was literally going to say the same thing. This stretch of games that they have coming up is going to give us the true Red Bulls because, you know, I'm looking at it and the fact that they only lost by one goal each to Sporting Kansas City and LA Galaxy is really not that bad. And now they've put together two straight 2 nil wins. Granted, it's against Chicago Fire, who are arguably the worst team in the league. And it's against Toronto, who... Personally, jury's out on the CCL teams for me. I still think they're trying to get their grasp on the season, and I don't think we can accurately judge the CCL teams until we come back from that June break at the uh, the midway end of June. But these two wins could be like confident boosts for Red Bulls. And speaking of CCL teams, like you've got Philadelphia, who's like all over the map right now. Maybe they, maybe Red Bulls can take advantage. This is two pressing systems that are going to clash against each other. So. You know, if you thought the the Red Bull Toronto game was kind of hard to watch, the the Philadelphia Red Bull game is also probably going to be a little hard to watch. But yeah, this stretch is really going to tell us, you know, how for real Red Bulls are. And but we got to remember it's a young team still trying to find their footing in the league. Uh, but a good couple weeks for them. Moving on, what was expected to be the the biggest game of the weekend, probably most entertaining game of the weekend. It was on Big Fox on Saturday evening. It was El Trafico, LA Galaxy, LAFC. Galaxy won at home, 2-1. Did either of you catch this game? Cut the end of it. Drew? I don't know. That's a good question. Did I? I think I caught a little bit of it. It was a long time ago. Lots of soccer in between. I did. I saw Chicharito score. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Like so much soccer has happened since that game. Like I forgot that this was the week that El Trafico happened. Um yeah, so Chicharito, like Drew said, he scored. Jonah Dos Santos ended up scoring the game-winning goal for LA Galaxy at the end. Um, the highly overrated Diego Rossi scored his goal for LAFC. Um, I will not let that die. 
I'm surprised that didn't elicit a greater reaction out of Connor there. Um, I so completely <laughs> zoned out for a second. <laughs> good, good. It is for the best that that happened. It's going to um, be some sort of Greg Vanny and Victor Vasquez comments, and I'm not going to be happy when I listen back to this. I don't think I don't think Vasquez played in this game, if I remember correctly, or maybe he came on at the end. He didn't I don't really, think he did. Okay, yeah, he didn't really have much of an influence on this game. Um, so here's kind of my take on this game because I did watch this one from start to finish. LAFC were definitely the better team. It seems like they kind of always are, but they made two mistakes and Galaxy took advantage of those two mistakes. Um, It wasn't really that LAFC was trying to get cute with the ball, but it was just, it was just mistakes in possession. And when you have Chicharito and Jonah Dos Santos, like those guys like know how to score in big moments. So I think Dos Santos's last senior team goal was his goal for Mexico against the U S in the gold cup final back in 2019 so and we we know chicharito gets it done um especially this year i was more intrigued with lafc trying out a back three they only did it for the first half and then they went back to their tried and true tested four through three that they always like to play out of personally i'll be keeping an eye on lafc and that back three whether or not that comes back but as I mentioned a few minutes ago, LAFC are the third to last in the West right now. They only have five points from four games. That's the same as Dallas. That's less than Tex- uh, than Austin, less than RSL. Only better than Portland, Minnesota. So my question to you guys is, are you worried about LAFC at all? They're still playing without Carlos Villa, and he's clearly their best player. We know how much he brings to the team. We don't know when he's going to come back that no one's really questioned his injury and they haven't been very open about what the injury is or how long it's going to take for him to be back. But is it too soon to be worrying about LAFC? I mean, probably is, but what do you guys think about their, their poor start to the season? I think when you say worrying about LAFC, I think there's two ways you can take it. Worrying in the sense of, is this team going to make the playoffs? in worrying in the sense of, is this team going to live up to the expectations that they had put on them to start the season? Because if you're coming at it from, is this team going to make the playoffs? I do think it's too soon. Um, Again, Carlos Vela coming back, he's a freak of nature. He's phenomenal, so we know what that's going to do. I do, however, am interested. I don't have like a ballpark idea of who will be leaving for the summer because there's a ton of tournaments, you know, with the Gold Cup, Copa America, Euros, Olympics, stuff like that going on in the summer and how teams are going to survive that. So that's going to be interesting to see how LAFC survive that. And if you're talking about are you worried about if they're going to win the West, I think it's you can I think it's fine to worry about you know if you had this team as winning the Shield and then winning MLS Cup or something like that, which a lot of people had this team doing the double. They have really high expectations on the team. And if you pick this team to win the Shield, I think in that sense, it is time to start worrying about LAFC because what, through you've played five games. And I know it's only five games, only a month through, but those are points in the same way that they're points available at the end of the season. So if you're talking about is this team going to win the Shield or not, I think a strong start is very important. And I don't think LAFC has done that. Um, So as far as winning the Shield is concerned, I am worried about LAFC doing it. As far as just making the playoffs go, I'm not concerned about it. I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the West. 
I don't think they're going to be the best team in the West. And I think this start is very slow and is not a good sign if you pick this team to win the Shield. Um, but again, if you're talking MLS Cup, they get hot at the right time and win it. And we'll see what happens with that. So I'm worried about them living up to the high standards that people have put on them. Connor, what do you think about LAFC's slow start to the season? I'm thinking I'm a lot more confident as the only person on this podcast to not have LAFC winning the Supporters Shield, uh, first of all, because both of you did. Um, <laughs> Damn it. Did we? Yes. Did we go through? I know I had them winning the West. I, did I oh, have them I don't know. The but shield? I had them up there. You have them winning the West. Um, I think all of us had Columbus winning the East. Who did? Did I have LAFC winning the West? Yes. Yikes. And Columbus. God. Ugh. We all had Columbus, so we'll give you a pass I hate this league so much. <laughs> they'll, they'll all wake up. Again, Columbus are doing this without Kevin Molino. So imagine how good they're going to be when he comes back. Uh, but that's the same thing I'm going to say with LAFC. They're doing all this without Carlos Vela. Right? They. Yes, you lost to LA Galaxy in a tough game. You drew against Houston, but that was the Vela game where he got subbed off, I think, right? No, it was uh, the te- the Austin game. I keep wanting to call them Texas because of their ATX abbreviation. Gosh. <laughs> okay, well, then I don't know why they lost to Houston. That's embarrassing. Uh, but they they drew Houston. Yeah, or drew. Sorry, I'm I have this. I'm literally looking at their games right in front of me. <laughs> um, they, and they drew against Seattle, who, for my money, is the best team in the West. So that's everybody's money. Yeah. I don't think you can be worried about that. They play Seattle again this weekend. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that during our games to watch. But after that, they have a stretch of three games against Colorado, New York city, FC and Houston. Then they end FC Dallas too. That's four games against mediocre to bad teams. Then they play sporting KC and after that, they don't have another good game for one, two, three, another three games when they play Portland on July 21st. So I think they've had a sort of tough schedule. They've been dealt a lot of blows. They've had to adapt this season and their play style to not having Brian Rodriguez. And as much as we like to bash Brian Rodriguez, he was a big part of that attack, even if he wasn't involved very much. Um... And adapting to that, it's tough. And adapting to not having Vela is tough. And adapting to not having Bradley Wright Phillips come off your bench is tough. So, Man, still slandering Danny Masovsky. Can't believe it. Okay, Danny Masovsky versus Bradley Wright Phillips. Come on. I think Danny Masovsky <laughs> scored. Great. I don't care. Bradley Wright Phillips he is does. a legend. Like. I do think he has more MLS goals than Bradley Wright Phillips this season. This season. Yes. Okay. We won't get into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm not worried about LAFC. Same way I'm not worried about the Galaxy. I think they'll be good in the first half of the season. But again, come second half of the season, I think they're going to struggle a bit more when their issues become exacerbated by the compact schedule. My take on LASC so far is I'm I'm wondering if they don't care about winning the Shield this year. They don't care about dominating teams every week. 
I think they might care more about preparing for the playoffs. And that might be why Bradley's been trying out this three in the back look. Because if this is a team that can be flexible, then this is a team that can adapt in a knockout tournament, which is what the playoffs are. And, you know, like Connor was saying, they've got Seattle this weekend, and Seattle's the team that's knocked them out of the playoffs the last two years. And three years ago, it was RSL. And I think they're just tired of getting knocked out of them the last couple playoffs. And they, they just they want to be able to get through all the way to the end this year. So they've, they've won the Shield. They've set the record. They've, they've conquered that part of the league, right? So maybe they're just, you know, trying out a bunch of things. And you're right. Their depth will prevail, and they're still LAFC. And once Vela's back, they can beat anybody any day. Doesn't even matter who they're playing against. But that, that is definitely an interesting question, I think, to be posing. Moving on, though, uh, speaking of teams we've been talking about a lot early in the season and teams that you know maybe are, we should be worrying about, not worrying about, panicking, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota United, they had a strong start to their game against Colorado on Saturday night. Uh, they scored twice in the first 24 minutes. Uh, Emmanuel Reynoso had a fantastic free kick. Uh, a little bit of error on Colorado goalkeeper William Yarbrough. He didn't really uh, position the wall very well, but Reynoso scored regardless, and it was a good free kick. They blew that lead. Colorado came back to win 3-2. I'm really upset about Saturday night uh, because I played Saturday morning. I played soccer Saturday morning, right? Got up at 6.30 in the morning for that. I had a rehearsal after that. I played more soccer after that. Then I ran out and got my Mother's Day gift from my mom then I came back and watched Shell Trafico and then there was the Colorado Minnesota game and then there was the Braves I can't remember who they played but there was the Braves game might have been the Phillies all right we get it Josh you do a lot come on (laughs) my point is my point is I fell asleep as Colorado was coming back I think they scored their second goal (laughs) and then and then I woke up and then all of a sudden I was like ah crap Colorado won and then the Braves went to the 12th inning that night as well and ended up winning that too so like I missed all these comebacks on Saturday night but anyway last week Connor said not to panic about Minnesota I said to panic about Minnesota they did end up winning against Vancouver at home last night 1-0 although it took until like the 73rd minute for them to score that goal Uh, Drew should we still be worried about Minnesota they're no longer last in the league they finally have some points. They got three points. Where should we? What should we be feeling about Minnesota? Although they are still last in the West, I think it's worth noting. Yeah, I think. I think it's. I think panicking is still fair. Um, you know, before that Colorado game, I think I was more on the panic button side of things and then they had a 2-0 lead and Reynoso hit that banger thought okay Reynoso scoring bangers this team's up 2-0 this is old Minnesota you know this is gonna be the start of a good stretch and we'll see this team in the playoffs and then they blew it um again they beat Vancouver Vancouver I watched a little bit of that game um Vancouver had some chances to put it away and they just did I think Dahomey had like a wide open goal and hit it 10 rows in the stand so Vancouver had their chances to beat Minnesota didn't take advantage of it, and Minnesota, to their credit, got that goal. I don't know who scored it, but I still think I'm a little worried about Minnesota United. Um, I'm trying to pull up their stretch right now. Like you said, they are last in the West, but the FC Dallas, RSL, RSL, oh, yes, that game is soon, in two weeks. 
May 29th. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, I think I think it's still I'm still a little worried about Minnesota because very high on them. Um, especially after blowing a 2-0 lead, I think that was it felt like the return of the old loons, the loons that were 15 minutes away from MLS Cup final. Um, they blew it and they did it again against Colorado. So I don't know. I still think it's fair to say that I'm still kind of worried about Minnesota. Obviously, getting that win against Vancouver is big. Um, yeah, I'm still praying about it a little bit. Connor, dude, did the win over Vancouver or did the blowing of the lead against Colorado change the way you felt about Minnesota United? First of all, anytime you blow a lead that badly, you should be worried because that should never happen, period. I do want to ask, though, Eichel Parra is done for the season, correct? Um, I don't think he's officially done for the season. He obviously didn't play last year. I haven't seen anything concrete about this, but I believe the rumor is that he's been dealing with um, concussion issues, and he's had a few concussions throughout his career, and I think that's kind of held him back. This is just my perception of, of the situation, but I feel like Opara kind of doesn't doesn't want to take the risk of coming back to play. I, I do think he's done, personally. I think we will not see him again. But it's kind of it has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. But it's really man, concussions suck. Uh, as a hockey fan, I know them all too well. Never had one, but you see a lot of them in hockey, and a lot of careers ended in hockey. Look at although he's trying to play Michael Furland or Andrew Shaw, literally like two weeks ago, retired because of concussion issues. So it sucks his career might end that way. Um, but the reason I ask that is that's one of the best defenders in MLS, probably in MLS history, and was a main part of their back line. So losing him is going to be a big blow, no matter what. Um, so I think you start to get worried, but I think you really judge how worried you should be over the next four games because you get FC Dallas twice, RSL, which that's going to be very heated, and Austin. You have the monkey off your back after beating Vancouver, so it's about whether or not they can rebound and go on a bit of a stretch. Um, because if they want to push late in the season, they're going to have to go on a bit of a stretch. Um, the beginning of their season has just necessitated that. And... While I'm still not 100% worried, come to me again next episode and my opinions might change based on the FC Dallas game because if they don't win that game, they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, So that's my thoughts on Minnesota. Josh, do you have anything you want to add before we jump into two of the better teams in the league? (laughs) Better. Um... Yeah, the one thing I want to take away from Minnesota in their 0-4 start, right? And this is why I'm still panicking about them. Only two teams have ever started a season 0-4 and made the playoffs. Ever. In MLS. Ever. And it was last year. Well, I should say in the post-shootout era, which is 2000 present, when MLS decided to play normal soccer. Um, only two teams so have ever done post my birthday. Yeah. Oh, God. Post my birth. 
Only two teams have ever done it, and it was both last year, right, in the pandemic season. It was NYCFC and Inter-Miami. I won't even count Inter-Miami because they finished, like, ninth or whatever, and they made it in one of the fake playoff spots and then got correctly knocked out in the first game anyway. NYCFC, I do think there's a slim chance that Minnesota United could pull an NYCFC. However, that was under a new manager, and Minnesota is not under a new manager, so... I would be really, really freaked out if I were a Minnesota United fan because the stats are against you. But as Connor said, two of the better teams had some interesting weeks this week. Uh, I'll go ahead and I'll start with Columbus since we talked about them the most so far, right? We've already talked about their pretty much failure of a rebrand. They did beat DC United on Saturday at home 3-1. to one. However, it was with two DC own goals. There was that fantastic Zellerion free kick that Drew mentioned earlier. But they did lose last night to Toronto 2-0. And I was only able to catch like the first 30 minutes of that game. And Columbus looked pretty bad. Toronto played pretty well. But Columbus, I don't know what's up with them. It is worth noting that Caleb Porter failed to make the playoffs with the Portland Timbers the year after they won MLS Cup. I'm not saying that's going to happen again with Columbus, although it would be the strangest trend if that were to happen. Drew, what are your thoughts on Columbus, and especially with how they played last night against Toronto? Yeah, watching I watched that game against Toronto. I think I was slacking Connor, I was slacking you guys about the game. Um, and I think you're right in your assessment that Toronto was really good. and. You know, they're not trying to take anything away from Toronto. Obviously, played solid against one of the best teams in the league, a team that a lot of people have picked to go back-to-back or finish high on the East. But my thing is, if Columbus Columbus look that bad against a team that they'll probably see deep in the playoffs if they make it that far. I mean, this is a team that I think Toronto has aspirations of going to Eastern Conference Final, going to MLS Cup, whatever. You know, they're a high-aspiration club, and they have those hopes. Also, Soteldo looked really freaking good, which is really scary. Um, Connor's like happy about it, and I hate it. He looks so good. I hated it. Um, and Josie Outdoor scored. So this was a freaking weird game, man. Um, but yeah, Columbus. I mean, if Columbus has these high hopes, right, going back to back is not easy, but they that team's together, and you add BWP. Um, so, I mean, they have the goal of going back-to-back and making a deep run. People have them winning the Shield, and I think that's a legit goal for this team. And if you want to do those things, you have to be able to beat a team like Toronto. And that game last night, Toronto just outplayed them straight up. I thought Toronto, the 2-0 scoreline was deserved. Um, yeah, I think Columbus, you know, when you go against good teams, if you want to win trophies, you have to beat them. And the game against Toronto showed me no signs of that. They could beat good teams like that. Now, things can change, of course, but that was not a good start. Um, You're going up against a potential playoff opponent, a good measuring stick to see where you stand against good teams in the league, and it didn't work out for you so well. So Columbus, kind of freaking out about them, but not too much. Um, But again, I mean, if they're trying to go back-to-back, they're going to have to beat Toronto. It seems up to Toronto's ability and skill level, and that was not a good showing. Um, didn't show any reason that they could do that come playoff time. Connor, what do you think about Columbus's really, really bad week between a bad rebrand and just not playing good soccer? Well, any time you let DC score three goals, you need to sweat. Um, they scored three goals against DC. 
Well, it's a joke because they scored oh, two. Own I was going to say, well, DC did uh-huh. score three goals. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for catching on. Um, anytime DC score three goals, you should be worried. Thankfully, two of them were on their own net, <laughs> which very unsurprising uh, for being completely honest, because DC suck. But I think with Columbus again, I mentioned this. They're doing this without Kevin Molino, and he's going to be a big boost to that team he was one of the playoff mvps last season he's a very talented player and he'll be very big in their attack um they got one of the best keepers in mls in eli room who's disgusting no one very few keepers come close to him in terms of talent uh they've got one of the best strikers in mls jesse zardes who almost scored against toronto he was very close um, they've got one of the best attacking midfielders in Zellerayan. They have a very good team. And I don't think we need to start panicking about how they've performed to start the season because they're a good team and they have a ton of depth. So while I think the rebrand is going to hurt them and it's going to be a big weight on their shoulders, uh, sort of a cloud over this entire season. I don't think we need to panic about Columbus because they're still a very, very good team and they always, they will be a good team this season. Even if Zardes or Zellarian or whoever goes down, they've already lost Aiden Morris and then they brought in Liam Fraser to fill the substitute void. So I'm not panicking at all about, Columbus, I think they'll be fine. Same thing with Seattle. They're unreal. I said this in our prediction podcast. They're the best team in the West. They always they they probably always will be the best team in the West because Brian Schmetzer is somehow a genius and gets his players to play exactly how he wants them. Because they've worked really well in this formation, been attacking really well, all without uh, Nicholas Ladero. So Seattle, you got to get high on them because I could very, very easily see them winning Supporter Shield and potentially MLS Cup if they continue playing the way that they're playing. But what are your guys' thoughts quickly on Seattle before we dive into our games to watch, player of the week, goals of the week, and then wrap up with our fantasy update? Yeah, I think, you know, usually like Seattle's MO is slow start to the season get a a significant player in the summer window, crush it in the second half of the season, peak for MLS Cup, right? It's usually how it goes. They are, they just, they said, screw that this year. They're like, we're just going to be good from the beginning, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah, four wins and one draw in that one draw against LAFC without Nico Ladero and without Jordan Morris is super, super impressive. They've only um, conceded two goals. All season, one was against Portland on Sunday, and that was a penalty kick, and then the other was because they didn't have someone lay down in a wall against Edward Atuesta, which boneheaded move from Seattle. Uh, But, I mean, yeah, 13 points, so we got 2.6 points per game. They are on fire to start the season. I wouldn't be surprised at this point if they ended up winning Sporter Shield. I think it's a trophy they really want to win because I don't think they've ever won... Supporter Shield before? I, maybe they did once a long time ago. 
I'm going to look that up as, uh, as we're talking about it, but, or maybe, maybe Connor's on it, but yeah, I mean, they're just off to a really hot start. I think everyone in the league should be really concerned. Um, you know, like we've said, Nico Ladero is not starting for this team yet. Um, you've got Christian Roldan, who I, I am super impressed by. Every time I've watched Seattle so far this year, he has looked phenomenal in this sort of like, I don't even want to call it number 10 because he's all over the place all the time. They've won it once in 2014. Okay, so it, it has been a, a bit of time since they've done so i think they kind of want to stamp their name and greatness for this league by getting another one of those supporter shields um because you know i'm not you don't hear this often but i bet there are some trolls out there in the world that will say oh winning mls cup is a fluke even though seattle did it multiple times like they're not really a good team win a supporter shield then get back to me so maybe this is kind of their uh their way of fighting back against those imaginary trolls. But, Drew, what, what do you think about Seattle's hot start so far? I mean, they beat Portland on Sunday 2-1, beat San Jose last night uh, 1-0. Both games on the road. Like I said, they, they haven't even lost yet. So what do you think? Yeah, um, it's freaking scary. That's what I think because, again, <laughs> we've all expected this team to struggle then peak at the right time. So now the question is, can they keep up this form the whole season? Um, there's no reason to think that they can't, except given the fact that it's a long season, injuries happen, but they're doing this without Jordan Morris, so injuries, not feeling like they're really slowing them down, um, and yeah, so it's not a whole lot else to add that you guys haven't touched on, this is a team that, you know, people were a little more down on, I want to be careful how I say that, because I think people were still picking them to be one of the better teams in the West, I don't think people pick them to be where they are right now in the Western Conference. Um, so to see them doing this out of the gate is really exciting if you're a Seattle fan, really not exciting if you're anyone else in the league because if they're doing it now, what's it going to be like when they're midseason form and they've been playing together the whole time? And, um, yeah, I mean, this feels like just the vengeance from that smack and they got from Columbus in the Cup Final. Maybe this is just their way of saying, that was a fluke and we're going to win the Shield, we're going to win the Cup. Um so yeah, I'm excited. I'm not excited about it. I guess I'm excited about it because we'll see what Seattle can do. Um, but if you're not a Seattle Sounder fan, then it's probably not very exciting because if they're doing this now, holy crap, what are they going to be like midseason? Um, but sticking with Seattle a little bit, getting to our games to watch, Josh, we you have That's, O'Connor no, has his hand raised. No, player of the week. Players of the week. Why do we have player of the week under games to watch? I'm following the outline. Uh, I don't know why you do. You're that. the one who. Yeah, you're the one who set the outline. I did not set the outline. I'm talking to oh, Drew. I was gonna say I do I nothing for this outline. I literally copy and paste it. I literally copy and pasted it. But okay, we'll it's go with so, player of the week. It's such a better transition. <laughs> we wrap up this it does, week. It does make sense. We preview next week after we do the goals of the week and player of the week. You have your players of the week who are. Okay, so I'm not gonna... you. The uh, the guy who picked it. <laughs> oh my god! I literally copy and paste the outline every week. It's been like this way anyway. But yes, so my player of the week. I kind of cheated on this one. I said the Rodon family. It's an excellent uh-huh. pick because Chris Rodon scored. And for fantasy purposes, which this is freaking awesome, I have Alex Rodon on my fantasy Same team. Here. 
And I was like, holy crap, he played goalkeeper. For those not listening, he had to play goalkeeper because Stephen Fry went down with a knee injury, I think. And I thought, oh, crap, what's it going to be like with fantasy team? He had a good week. He got me like seven points. He yep. made a couple saves. So I'm not – I don't know what the Roldan family's experienced like watching their studs grow up to be phenomenal soccer players. But to see Christian score a goal and Alex be a goalkeeper in MLS, probably pretty phenomenal. So – my player of the week is the Roldan family's parents, as they have raised two <laughs> studs who have blessed us to watch them do ridiculous stuff week in and week out. So thank you to the Roldan family for blessing us with your two wonderful sons. All right, let's go to the person whose votes actually matter and have real impact on what happens at MLS. I vote for Chris Monolowski. His brace, like uh, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, helped San Jose uh, get their win on Friday night over RSL. Um, yeah, I mean, Wando going to Wando. I did see a fun stat. I think he's won the fourth most player of the week awards. He did end up winning the award this week. Um, and I can't remember who else was on the list. Like Bradley Wright Phillips is up there in the top five. Um, Dwayne DeRosario is up there in the top five. Like they're phenomenal players. So it's really cool to see uh, Wando continue to get recognition like that. Um and Connor, your pick for player of the week, similar to mine, it was my backup player. Who did you got? Uh, I went with Christian Dahomey, and then I figured I'd follow in your footsteps and pick a backup. Uh, and sort of a second half of the week, uh, I guess, player of the week, Michael Bradley, because he was unbelievable last night. Dahomey scored a brace, I believe, for Vancouver. Uh, so, as I said, beginning of the season... Vancouver is a team you're going to have to watch out for. Same with Montreal. Um, so, you know, just really good at predicting things. But Go Canada. Yeah, go Canada. Um, so, yeah, I went with the home A. I went with Bradley. Pretty obvious why. Both very, very good. Goal of the week for my goal of the week. Uh, I followed in the footsteps of Drew and chose Christian Roldan. Uh, his goal and just beautiful strike last night uh, as we're recording this which will be the Wednesday game as you're listening to this perfect strike nothing the keeper could really do about it hit so much power really 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 nice goal uh, for him and he's he's had an unbelievable start to the season Uh, up there with Bradley and a lot of other players who've had surprisingly good starts to the season but Josh who did you pick for your goal of the week I picked Rubio Rubin's bike against San Jose. Was fortunate to be watching it when it happened. It was it was so good, just perfectly placed into the goal to where um, JT Marcinkowski couldn't get to it. Uh, I just want to go back to Roldan's goal for a second. By the way, he scores these all the time. I think it was a stretch back in 2019 where he had like back to back like rocket volleys. And he lost those goal of the week votes because Atlanta United had players up for votes those two <laughs> weeks. And so they, they stole rolled on. But I was also watching that game last night as that goal happened. And honestly, like in that moment when the ball was like coming and rolled on, I knew. I was like, this is probably going to be, probably going to be a goal. Drew, if you can hear us, what is your goal of the week? I can totally hear you guys. A question. Okay, I think it's recording. I think so. Okay, but anyway, um, my goal of the week is Arion's free kick against DC United. The only goal Columbus scored in that win, and it was a banger. <laughs> so, shout out to Zell Rayon, his free kick against DC United. 
was my goal of the week. And now getting to the law. Connor has a point. But you got I'm going to take hosting duties in the event that you're not recording. If you are good with that. Uh, and if you didn't hear Drew there, I just did a voiceover uh, explaining his pick. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but let's move on to finally to our games of the week. Look into the future. Uh, we will start off with a Seattle trend with Josh. What was your game of the week? Or your game to watch? Yeah, I mean, I'm picking... Yeah, I'm picking Seattle versus LAFC. As we've been talking about, you know, I want to see who's for real. They kind of uh, played a not a super boring draw the, the the first time they met a couple weeks ago, but it wasn't exactly a, a thrilling game between um, what is normally powerhouses of the West. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that turns out. I did pick a little backup option. That is Atlanta United versus the foot. One, because I am attending that game this weekend. And Atlanta is moving back to 100% capacity, so that is going to be interesting. But also because Montreal are top of the East after their win over Inter-Miami last night. So I'm really intrigued to see what they do on short rest in front of 40,000 fans. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Atlanta can do back in front of a somewhat normal fan base. Drew... What is your MLS game to watch this weekend? Yes, my game to watch is interesting because it's not two very good teams, but it's a really interesting situation because I picked FC Cincinnati playing Inter-Miami Sunday night because it is the opening of FC Cincinnati's new stadium. And if I remember correctly, I want to say this match is on national TV. I'm not sure the broadcasting schedule. I'm getting nods from the fellas, so I think it is on national TV Sunday at 4 so maybe the entire country will be subjected to what the heck Cincinnati is doing. <laughs> so that might be really fun. Um, but that new stadium's going to be awesome, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, Connor, who... It's on Big Fox, by the way, 4 p.m. on Sunday. Big Fox, man. So instead of watching The Simpsons, you get to watch whatever the heck that FC Cincinnati team is going to be. Connor, what is your game of the week this week? Well, they're really going to bring in some new fans with that one. Um, but <laughs> my, To be fair, they're playing Miami, so... Yeah, it's going to be a goal fest. Uh, and that's a great way to bring in fans. It's going to end seven to five. Yeah. There's a reason <laughs> I picked Gonzalo Higuain for my fantasy matchup. One of my fantasy players this week as my captain. Since you guys are so convinced that there's going to be a lot of goals, I'm calling it now one, one draw most likely. And it's going to be very depressing, but my game of the week will be a real test between these two teams. New England revolution Drew's fourth or fifth or third favorite team. <laughs> Lost track at this point. Uh, versus the Columbus SC crew team in yellow and black Columbus. Uh, see whether or not they can bounce back from that horrific game against Toronto where I didn't think Toronto was even that good and they demolished Columbus. So we'll see whether or not they can bounce back, but we'll wrap up with a fantasy update. And as usual, Blender Daddy's boys is leading the way. 371 points on the season. He's leading older goaler by 21, who's sitting at 350, with Anelta FC, uh, who is Castercane. Apologies for saying your name incorrectly. Sitting at 346. Um, in terms of us, I'm leading the way in eighth, which is embarrassing. Um... Drew is sitting in 12th. You're moving up in the world. Congratulations. Having a good week so far. And Josh, you are bringing up the rear, my guy. 
sitting at 14th. Uh, but I'm not last in the league. No longer last. Well, last in the league. <laughs> the has guy who's in points. last doesn't have any points. Okay, but I'm not last of the people that are playing. No, you are not. Uh, so congratulations for that, I guess. That's <laughs> really not an accomplishment, considering... Not last! <laughs> not an accomplishment, considering we have, what, 16 people in this league, one of which didn't even set his lineup? So, <laughs> yeah. But without further ado, and with, unless either of you have anything you want to say to wrap up with... I will take us out because we don't know if Drew is recording. Um, first of all, go check out the MLS Multiplex website, uh, mlsmultiplex.com, putting up some really good written content over there, um, talking all things MLS, NWSL, uh, sprinkled in there as well. So go check that out. Check out our Nkosi Tafara interview, which we did a few weeks ago. It's always evergreen. Um, it's something that is very important to all of us, uh, and something that's very important to society in general. And we recommend all of you go to, uh, take a listen to that and follow us all on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at CWG Somerville spelled S O M E R V I L L E because nobody knows how to spell Somerville. Josh at Josh underscore underscore Boland and drew at underscore drew Hubbard. Without further ado, Have a fantastic weekend and week. Uh, We'll be back next weekend to recap, to preview, talk all things MLS. Uh, But stay safe, get vaccinated, and peace. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.